folks, and welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library, the podcast where we watch all the Disney mm-hmm. Animated Studios films, mm-hmm. all 55, and depending upon when you listen to this, six movies mm-hmm. on the list. <laughs> uh, I, I'm actually going to go through and record different numbers, so that way, and just I'll just keep case. replacing it every time there's a new movie that just, comes out. <laughs> you're listening to the, the, uh, the, the next episode in the 57 episodes that we have available to you (laughs) man that's just that's that's an excessive amount of work Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna remember that i'm jeff and then over there who's continuously humoring me all 46 episodes we've done so far is tc (laughs) hello tc hello jeff good to be back here we are another movie to talk about another disney animated movie in this very specific library from snow white to Moana of most currently or wreck it ralph (laughs) 2 ralph breaks the internet if you're listening then or i don't know I, Frozen 2, what comes after that? I don't know. Dang damn it, TC. We're going to have to be recording a lot of insert titles for this, this episode for future. Why did we Why did we pigeonhole ourselves in this way, TC? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why we did that. It's a commit. It's a, It's the commitment we bring to the listeners every week, except the weeks we skip that's, off because we're just not there. Yeah. <laughs> we have lives, it's a too. Commitment that's, it's a commitment that we're kind of there for, but not entirely. Nin- 95%. So of, 95%. Yes. I, don't, I feel like a 95% commitment is a oxymoron. Doesn't it, does it feel like... Because it's not... Commitment feels like it should be 100%. Doesn't matter. You know what? It is 100%. What? The movie we watched this week, but that's not the rating. That was just a the really, fact that we watched a movie yeah, this week. Like, it's 100% <laughs> certain we watched a movie, not yes. that you're rating 100%. Terrible segue, but what was the name I, of that movie? Wait, can we can we like rally out of this? Hold on a second. <laughs> Uh, not 100% commitment. It's like uh, we have a very dysfunctional commitment to this, a dysfunctional relationship, like a father and son who don't quite see eye to eye, like the movie we watched this week, which was... This is why TC stuck around. The movie Chicken Little, everybody, from 2005, our first fully CG mm-hmm. film on our list of films that we are watching. Fully CG. Someone uh, did try to correct us on that. I got a, a tweet from, from a listener saying, oh, Dinosaur is fully CG. Those were real backgrounds. Right. So. Um, and there were some scenes in there that were fully CG, yes, yes, but yes. most of the backgrounds were live action. And well, that's where mm, that's where it's mm. the, the, the one major differentiating factor. Uh, words are not my strong suit. But you know what? I, the, speaking of percentiles, this is only like 99.9% CG because there's that instant, that tiny little clip of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders. <laughs> Which I saw that. Okay, so I, I saw that in the beginning and immediately my head went back to Lilo and Stitch. And I went, wait a minute, is this... Are we wait? What's happening? Uh, <laughs> what's happening? Because because the theory about Lilo and Stitch being that it it was a movie that took place in our actual world, and right. that is why yeah. there was the live action Elvis and the the B movie from the nineteen fifties playing mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Th- that theory completely goes out the window in this movie because these are yeah, all anthropomorphic <laughs> animals. Yeah, I don't know what the living, yeah. the logic is. I, I made a note of it after. Uh, what did I have here? That was the Indiana Jones moment. Um, Luke, uh, Darth Vader was Luke's father was referenced, which I suppose they could have an animal version of Star Wars in the universe. And then right. they also referenced Streisand records. But I guess there could be like a, like, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking this now. I did not write okay. this down. But a sheep version of Barbara Streisand named Baba Streisand. <laughs> see, okay. Okay, see that, that TC, yeah. that I like. That's okay? Now, okay. Here, here, I'm okay with that. <clears throat> okay, so watching this movie, and this is going to come back to what you just said. I think, first off, I think that would have been the direction they should have gone 
with this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like instead of this movie, which by the way, this movie wasn't nearly as good as I remember it being. Okay, that's funny because you'd seen it once before, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and and I'd seen it once before. You're saying it wasn't as good as you remembered it. I'm kind of on the fence of whether or not I liked it more or less than. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so you're saying you continue. But 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 so we've we've discussed numerous times about like tonal inconsistencies and just plot inconsistencies mm-hmm. and why do they do this and why do they do that. I feel like this movie because they were they were developing this world of anthropomorphic animals. This is just a world where these animals live, where there right, actually right. is a. Excuse me. There is an ugly duckling character. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a thing. That's a that's a that's a woman, um, voiced by Joan Cusack, mm-hmm. uh, which is like perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying Joan Cusack's <laughs> ugly, just like she's got the right voice that that character just looks right. Right. Anyways, <clears throat> we'll talk about the actors and the voice acting later. But it feels like it's a film where it's like, oh, these this is a world where animals just are, and but then you're trying to implement live action and real world stuff into it which just does not make sense yeah the, the, they would have made the Raiders of the Last Ark moment s- in particular really jumps out but yeah you're saying yeah because not you know in, even if it wasn't even if it wasn't the fact that it was live action in the middle of the CG film why is it a human right yeah like they should sh- why uh, why why wasn't he a dog it would have simply I, worked if they had animated it like I right. honestly like that's a moment where if they had done like a 2D DuckTales looking animation style on the movie screen but it was like you know Raiders of the Lost Bark and it's a dog <laughs> and uh <laughs> see like that would have worked the but... dog's name was Indiana <laughs> <laughs> Oh it works where were where were it we works totally. where were we in 2005 when they released this movie we we could have I don't know but I'll tell you right now TC we were not writing a film that should have taken place in 1997 No that's true Is that when it like takes this place movie. No <laughs> But all the jokes are references to the early to mid nineties. Yeah, the the oh man, like let's uh, let's talk about the. the <laughs> we're hu- jumping around. I apologize. It's fine. No, we're we're tangenting fine, like perfectly logical tangents here, and it's the you talk about the tonal inconsistency. We've seen yeah. more tonally inconsistent films. That's true. That's yes. very fair. But the there is just that slight. It slows down a just a little too much when it gets to those. Uh, tender moments between father and son, uh, like those moments slow down just a little too much when you compare it to the joke, 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 visual gag, visual gag, visual gag. That is the first ten, fifteen minutes of this, eh, ten minutes of this movie, uh, right? Which the, I mean, that opening sequence through town is just like every. It goes all the way back. It reminds me of all the way back to Snow White. When Waltz would give people bonuses, he's he would give rewards. He's like, come up with a gag, a visual gag. If it makes it mm-hmm. into the movie, you get a you get a bonus. It's a little reward for you. And I feel like that whole opening sequence where there's just you could watch that se- sequence multiple times. Watch the background. There's every joke anyone could possibly think of is in there. You got something as simple as like a goat. Like it's a very Flintstones joke, but using a goat to mow the lawn. But then you get something right. a little more subtle with like the bird hitting the glass on the on the china shop, and then a bowl comes out and shoes the and wipes the window, like a bowl that runs a china shop. That's okay. That's a funny little bit right there. And like there's right. that whole opening sequence through town and all those gags. It's just one after another, and 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 then the tonal inconsistency comes when it slows down for the what is essentially the plot of the thematic plot between father and son. Right, which uh, my my biggest thing that I had noticed while watching it this time around, because I knew I knew 
kind of what happened. Though I'm not going to lie, completely mm-hmm. forgot about the alien <laughs> subplot. <laughs> completely. I wondered about when, that. When, yeah, when when the aliens showed up, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. There's an alien invasion that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, like, I, I, watching the film, I'm, I'm paying attention to the story, and I'm paying attention to the way, because that's, as this podcast has gone along, that's unfortunately what I pay attention to the most while watching these films. I pay attention to the story. I pay, you know, the plot, how it flows, right. how it go from one to another. And I'm watching this one and I'm realizing, I'm like, this is about seven different movies combined into one. They have, yeah. they have plot threads and elements that would have made up an entire film. Yeah, you know, you know, maybe maybe seven is is being a little hyperbolic, well, I, but you're not. It does have a little bit, like there's, there, it does have an inconsistency when you look at like, okay, it's a father trying to impress his son. Oh, but there's also right. aliens. <laughs> like, how there's also that, aliens, yeah. but you also have you also have the, the 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 school kid trying to fit in at school, right? Yeah, the, and being the outcast the at outside. school. So you yeah. kind of have the whole like John Hughes. Well, you even kind of, uh, not John Hughes' love story, but you have the whole cliche school kid as the outcast and doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the whole father-son bonding story plot, or that plot line, is yeah. is its own, is its own, that's, what is it, my father the house, or my son the house? What is the Kevin Klein Hayden Christensen? Oh, uh, life is a house. <laughs> life is a house, yeah. that's it. Wow, my father is a house, everybody, that's... <laughs> well, you know, the house does represent him, and, th- you know, wait, we're, let's 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 do a different podcast about that one. <laughs> There's also a sports movie in here, when you when you consider the yeah. baseball montage. <laughs> right, like, it, that's and that's what, I was watching this movie, and I'm like, every ten minutes, we're in a different movie. It's like, they couldn't decide what movie oh, they wanted to tell, so they just said, let's do it all. Yeah, it, you know? and it, that kind of speaks to the speed of this movie, and, and just throwing everything. They're just throwing everything up there, and it's it, it's similar to what we get a lot nowadays in even something like Family Guy, or uh, if you're looking at television comedies, or... Um, even some of the animated movies that are being released, non-Pixar movies, uh, where or even some of the, I'm even going as far as say non-Disney movies, but it's like, keep the jokes coming so fast that if one doesn't work, there's one right around the corner that's going to work. And right. you, you get a lot of duds like that. And, and I shouldn't even limit that to to animation. That's just comedy in general. A lot of mainstream comedy movies and television kind of work on that logic of like, we need a joke every second to fifth sentence. Every every like thirty seconds, there needs to be a visual gag on the screen. And if one doesn't work, there's another one that's going to. And rewatching this movie after all these years, it, it I could feel that because if a joke landed like a brick hitting the ground, and I'd roll my eyes at something, real quickly mm-hmm. after there'd be one that would work. For example, uh, off the top of my head, when Runt is freaking out in the spaceship and they're like just do what you do to calm down and he starts like uh, 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 staying alive staying alive like okay not funny <laughs> but then it comes to him right. like doing the plastic ba- the the paper bag and he's like <laughs> and when he puts the two up to his mouth and it's one two one two one two one two okay that's a good funny visual gag so i can forgive your bad staying alive joke because that right. the paper bag joke worked really well and there's a lot of that in the movie where it's uh like fish out of water I'd say half of his visual gags work really well because you have a, a pantomiming character who has no language, and so he's a lot right. of visual jokes. The King Kong on the tower, like the paper tower. Mm, okay, I don't. That 
joke doesn't quite land. But then when he has the the um, the 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 hexagon that he keeps making his face, and then he like makes his legs, and he's like dancing around with it. Okay, well then that does work. <laughs> right. It's such a weird like, and I feel like they they they. I, I almost wonder if because it was their first CG fully CG animated film, they they're just like whatever. We just have to make sure that people laugh at some point. Right. <laughs> so like, just keep throwing whatever anybody's going to you know, Just fine. Just do it. Just make a joke, make a joke here, make a joke there. Well, people are going to laugh. Eventually we want to make sure that, cause I mean, we, cause obviously for Disney, obviously they already had been releasing the Pixar films, but mm-hmm. Pixar was still not a part of the company at this point. Right, right. But, and so the, this, I feel like this was a, a gamble for Disney because mm-hmm. it was definitely, not what Disney has been doing. Disney has not been doing CG animated films themselves. No, no. Ever. This is their first one. You know, again, not including Dinosaur. <laughs> but it's like, it's really their first one. And and I bet there was probably a very nervous, just like an apprehensive nature to the entire production of this film because they didn't know if it was going to work or not. Yeah, they, and to compete, they've had their most competition in DreamWorks's existence at this point, right? The, and you have right. something like uh, Armin, who does the claymation with like Chicken Run and the Wallace and Gromit movies, a subsidiary subsidiary of DreamWorks, much like Pixar's to Disney. And the competition was, uh, Ice Age had come out at this point, so we're looking at a much stronger field of animation that they're competing in and a little background on this movie um, digging around and looking at the history of disney especially in this era uh, this started as a 2d animated film they were they were about halfway through production of the movie when they decided that 2d is done we need to turn this into a cg movie which is insane that they basically balked on this movie and started over animating it um, right. Uh, going so far as they had even the Chicken Little was female when they initially started this movie. Uh, Holly Hunter, who was the voice of Elastigirl, um, she was the main character. She recorded all the dialogue uh, for months. Recorded all the Chicken Little's dialogue, and she was as they moved to CG. They also moved to more action. They they added kept adding more and more action to this, and I don't know. I should have written it down, who the head of Disney Animation was at this point, because we're two away from Katzenberg now. Uh, he he pushed from the get-go, or at least the higher-ups pushed from the get-go, that, that Chicken Little should be a boy. So as soon as they made the decision to go from 2D to CGI, that was mm-hmm. their, that was a good moment to go, cool, now we can make him a boy instead of a girl. And I don't know what the logic is behind that. Maybe someone was like, hey, you know, one for the boys, one for the girls. We just did Home on the Range cows or ladies now we got one for the boys right yeah because because you know what that makes total sense (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's another one of those movies that yeah somewhere in the vault somewhere in the archives of disney there is the uh, never to be released i mean uh, yet to this day uh what the movie was before it's like the the hidden king or um uh, kingdom of the sun like we will okay probably never see that released and there's another movie that's coming down the line here that was nearly just like nearly done when they decided to recast the main character's voice. And that's so fascinating to me that 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 is a business decision seriously had to be based on numbers to switch to CG, to make it a boy, to make it more action based, to to slam it with so many jokes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I wonder what it was, but we we'll never know. Instead, we got what we got. And and that's what we're reviewing today. 
<laughs> right. It would have been it would have been very interesting to have seen what a 2D version of this film would have been. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, like, just are, is it is it more of the tone of like uh, uh, or more of the the visual tone of like House on the Range because that or Home on the Range, uh, Home on the Range. My goodness, yeah. I've well, already forgotten. Home on the Range. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys haven't listened to last week's episode. For some reason, if you're coming into the show now, <laughs> if you haven't listened to last week's episode, please do because yeah. that was a blast. Anyway, <laughs> that was a that was a fun time mm-hmm. I had. Uh, <laughs> uh, though somebody else had pointed out the fact that I might very well had destroyed somebody's favorite comfort movie last oh, week. Oh no! <laughs> and I went, oh. There's no. always there's going to be fans Tears. out there. I, I glanced at our comment section. I didn't get a good look at the comments because we'll get to that much later. But um, there's a there's some love and hate <laughs> coming from the comments and, and the tweets. Um, oh well. <laughs> Well, you know, going going into CGI to to make that decision halfway through, uh, someone posted. I think it was Wyatt on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod, had posted Thank about what the advent of CGI animated films lent um, uh, towards the narrative, uh, towards the thematic narratives that uh, that uh, Disney and, and film companies were able to tackle, as opposed to what they did in the past with fairy tales and two two D. I don't necessarily think it's it's the 2D to CG changeover that that changed the narrative of what's in movies. I can see it as a little way because it's in in a way if you have the assets it's easier to build to world build, right? And once right. you create an asset, then you can look at it three-dimensionally and and just pop it and drop it into places. Um and it's and it's a credit to companies like Pixar, and yes, I'll even give credit to to some of the DreamWorks movies that even if you have the the ease of being able to take an asset and move around it and pop it in and right there, uh, you don't treat the movies like um, paper dolls. Like, okay, and just slap this on, slap it up, boom. We we get plenty of those movies. Like, there are plenty of those types of animated animated movies that come out now. Right, right. Uh, but the to go from to go into CG and, and make more broader storytelling, uh, to, to move into more broader, more relatable subjects, I guess, because you move away from, we're not in a fantasy realm anymore, and we're dealing with more, I guess, realistic subjects. Uh, parent, a parent and a child having a, a difficult time relating to each other, and the, and the fantasies lent themselves to more fantasy ideas, like finding true love, um, or finding one's true self. Now that you know, it's not like a it's not like a clear cut di- di- division between CG and two D and thematically because I think just cinematically we had Disney and other companies, but Disney in particular, they tread this ground so much the fantasy realm, the Once Upon a Time, uh, even even bashing the openings of their movies for the opening yes. of this movie. Like, okay, how do we begin? Once Upon a Time. No, everyone does Once Upon a Time. How many times have you heard Once Upon a Time? Okay, let's. Not oh no, the book. not the book Don't thing. Do the, the book, book thing. How many times have you seen that? Like, I I did la- I yeah. laughed at that part. So, I did enjoy. It. They even spoofed their own movie with Lion a, King. What's opening. a great way to open you a know? movie? <laughs> 
Oh, no, no. I think that's been done. <laughs> so I did enjoy that. Opening, yeah, yeah. They were trying to like show like how we could do this. How are we going to do it? I don't know how we're going to do it. Let's just start from the beginning. Let's just tell the story. So to, to, I think it's not necessarily moving into a new media that medium that, uh, that, uh, that changed how, like what the themes and how the subjects were presented. I think it was just that we've had a, we've had how many decades of the once upon a time of the fairy tales that, it's time to start having a new, fresh approach to these movies. And maybe accidentally, maybe purposefully, I think Chicken Little can be credited a little bit towards being a sneaky little forerunner <laughs> to what we're going to see. Because <laughs> think think about the movies we've seen in this block of films. Treasure Planet, right. Lilo and Stitch, for sure, is is in a territory we had never seen before. Uh, Atlantis. Right. Like, there's, they're still experimenting narratively with these movies. Um Home on the Range was, and you could even yeah. argue stylistically too. You have the the movies we've seen just visually are mm-hmm. very different from one to the other. They're trying different things, different elements yeah, of CG, yeah. introducing CG like fully into these films, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a very different artistic approaches to each one. So you can you yeah you can see that 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 trying to figure out that uh, experimenting as they go through. Yeah, and and I and yes, this movie does try a little too hard with some of its references, <laughs> but. I don't know, Jeff. Maybe you can answer this for me. Why? Yes. Not not everything, because I have a. I don't know, I will get angry about something in a moment. But why doesn't this movie annoy and bother me as much as something like Shrek? In its references, you know, I don't. Can you explain that to me? With with its with its references, yeah. Like, because there's certainly some references here that make me roll my eyes, and there's one thing in particular they do that I'm like mad that they did. But in general, See, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, because my my big thing is is that I feel like again, just trying to go off the top of my head mm. with Shrek, the references that they were making were to, for the most part, were to things that were of very much so the time it came out in. Mm-hmm. That just fully cemented it in. Oh, this was released in two thousand. Yes. Oh, you can tell because oh, there's a Matrix reference. Oh, there's the like it's that yeah. era. And these references are already dated. (laughs) They're already dated. So the thing is, is that they're just like, really? They're, they're playing, um, they're, 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 they're playing Spice Girls. They're doing, you know, they're, uh, what were the other ones? Oh, they're doing the alien invasion film. I wrote down a couple of these references Mm -hmm. that they did. Uh, but like, so I wonder, oh, the, the chicken gone wild gag. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a, you'd be able to sell the chicks gone wild. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have hate mail. Mm-hmm. Is very like those references are all '90s references. They're not even. We're in the. We're, this is 2005. Mid 2000s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yes, I understand. A lot of the CG films take a few years to to actually be uh, to be created and to be produced, just like the animated mm-hmm. ones. But they don't take ten years to come out. <laughs> so these references are so dated that they don't cement it, it's not a it's not a reflection of the time it came out mm-hmm. but it's more of a like nostalgia reference yeah see instead yeah maybe that makes maybe that's why it's not as bad <laughs> which is as, funny like Shrek and some of those which is funny because we're because the the era we're in now we're in, we're definitely seeing peak 80s references but we're already moving towards 90 ref, 90s nostalgia so maybe this right. movie was ahead of its time and <laughs> that it had 90s <laughs> nostalgia a decade removed yeah and 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 I I feel like so like me watching the film, I kind of rolled my eyes at some of these, just being mm-hmm. like, really, why are they doing that reference? But it was it was more of a like 
inquisitive. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that was like, an odd choice. They... Yeah, like, oh, okay, we we're doing a we're doing a we're doing a yeah, we're doing a Spice Girls reference. I think All right. You know that's what? cool movie. In, in general, <laughs> I think this actually is a good start to their CGI library. Yeah. It's not it's not a I mean, if, if, if like, if, for example, if Home on the Range had been CGI, I'd be like, wow, you guys messed up big. <laughs> uh, right. It's sad that that's the last 2D one, uh, but we get, a, we get an apology for that in just a few films. But this being the first CGI film, visually, they did a very good job. And I think having Pixar in, in, in their home base, <laughs> I mean, at least in their camp, uh, helped right. visually make this movie work because there's there's no visual stuff in here that is bad i I think that the the character design is great a lot of the textures and uh uh, backgrounds are really good i love the yep everything is designed with a very specific purpose whether it's a a hokey joke or like a fish car or a fishbowl car or (laughs) or a very clever joke like a bull a bull running a, a china shop uh i think visually this is a great start to their to their films, uh, or to this section of, of what we're seeing for, for Disney from now on. Right. Yeah. And this is right before uh, John Lasseter became the, yes. the oh, man. creative officer of yeah. Disney Animation Studios. So. I, for, for the history of Disney out there, I mean, anyone listening, John Lasseter is one of the founding granddaddies of Pixar Animation, the head yeah. of Pixar Animation. And the director of Toy Story and Cars, and 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 one of one of the most important figures in animated movies since, uh, well, we, like I mentioned, Glenn Keane in the past, and Don Bluth, and and Walt Walt Disney himself, uh, even mm-hmm. Katzenberg and Eisner. You know, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Lasseter and how he ran Pixar. He came in <laughs> to this to to the studio to run Disney Animation Studios and Pixar Animation Studios after this film. And and this is this is the the last film before Laster came on to be the chief uh, what chief chief creative officer is his his official right. title. Um he, and man one of the one of the things he did there's a there's a, a bunch of fun little tidbits about Lasseter's once he came in he's like, "All right, we are going to bring Disney back to where it belongs." People need to look at Disney, see that label, and know they're going to get quality. So here, here, and he came in and made some power moves right away. For example, they he he canceled the sequel to this movie that was in right. already in production. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, no more sequels, which is funny because he's broken that rule now with Wreck It Ralph and Frozen. But I'm sure that was above his pay grade <laughs> in terms of decision. Wreck It Ralph and Frozen mm-hmm. and Monsters Inc. and well, Cars. <laughs> well, Pixar's a Toy different Story. animal. Pixar, Pixar's that's a different true. animal. That is true. Because when Disney, that is true. when Disney physically, like, finally purchased Pixar, the deal made was uh, two for us, one for you. So every, we get a couple of sequels, you can do Coco. We get a couple of sequels, <laughs> like Toy Story uh, three, 4 and, and uh, Finding Dory, and you can do Inside Out. And, Right, I I think that's worked out in our favor as moviegoers. <laughs> in, Definitely. Oh yeah, I'm not yeah. complaining at right. all. <laughs> uh, but but Lasseter coming into Disney, he wanted to run it slightly differently than Pixar. And one of the things is no more sequels. Uh, what, there was a movie that was done, <laughs> right? That that it was done, and he came in and he said that will not be released under the Disney label. We have. Other companies will release under. Touchstone hasn't released any animated movies in, the, in a while. 
Nomeo and Juliet's going to Touchstone. We will not be putting the Disney label on that. Because that was a Walt Disney. That was going to be part of this library. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad it's not. (laughs) Oh, that would have been a horrible. He came in and was like, yeah, that's not happening. Because they hadn't hadn't started the marketing for it yet. So they were he was able to make that decision. <laughs> which which is which is gonna be interesting and, and obviously not getting away too far from Chicken Little, uh, yeah. the movie and the mm-hmm. Chicken Little. We'll come back to it. But just like me kind of looking at the next couple of films we have on this list. And this movie so Chicken Little came out at the end of uh two thousand five, November of twenty uh, two thousand five. Yes. Our next movie doesn't come out till March of two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a break. So here. there is and then it's and then it's usually it's one a year, and I believe it's one a year. For the almost the rest of the podcast, yes, um, actually, it's except until we get to Zootopia and Moana, <clears throat> but it's it's funny that it's like okay, the year that he took over, there's no Disney Animation Studio films that came out because <laughs> nothing. He, he came in and was because, making his moves. <laughs> yep, it's just like oh uh, yeah, no, th- we're changing things mm-hmm. and and looking at the the order of these films, you figure a man comes in in 2006, movie takes three or four years to get, or maybe like yeah, three maybe to four years to get made. The next movie that I could see being back to traditional Disney Mm -hmm. falls in line with that three year gap of like, all right, we're starting again (laughs) and we're getting back to what's to make made us good. And then after that, it's, it's, it's hit after hit after that period. But, but we'll get to that. mm -hmm. To to get get back to chicken little, I think something that's uh, affected this movie in their, I think their desire to try to get as many gags in there as possible to create a very unique world, which they did. There's, you know, the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? The, you know, you mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't try to avoid an error and then inadvertently throw out everything that works. In some ways, I fear that that, that happened in this because and I've already said something to this effect that for everything that works, there's something that doesn't quite work. Uh, right. I, and I don't think this doesn't work as, as much as other <laughs> movies had, uh, something that is, is. I'm. I don't know how I feel about overall, but it's the soundtrack of this movie, because there right. are original songs that were written for this movie, and then there were pop hits that they stuck in the movie. And every time there's an original song, it falls into that line of Tarzan and Brother Bear. Not not to reference two Phil Collins movies or uh, where you it's, did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> just where like the original songs work, but then the pop songs don't. And it's not that pop songs haven't worked before because Lilo and Stitch nailed it with using the Elvis music. Mm-hmm. To have you reference Spice Girls before, uh, that's that goes on just too long is the problem, right? <laughs> like We get it. Do you think the audience is going to be laughing this entire time and that's why you're continuing to do the Spice Girls? Stop it, please. It's very DreamWorks of you <laughs> and I don't it. approve. <laughs> but then you have um, uh, Bare Naked Ladies and the Five for Fighting song, the... Um, all, all I know. All I know. Yeah. Which can we point out the sad, slow, depressing song of the movie <laughs> that happens eighteen minutes into the film? <laughs> it's it's the I want song. Think of it where it's yeah. where it's put structurally. That would be if this was a traditional Disney musical. That would be a whole new. That would be um part of your world. That would be go the distance. That song works right exact exactly. I just dropped something. <laughs> exactly <laughs> narratively, it, it's put exactly where it's supposed to go, and it's it feels. A little out of place, not as much as freaking Home on the Range, but it, I'm, <laughs> it I, feels out of place. But at the same time, it works for the scene yeah, that it's playing yeah. through, yeah. and that's where I'm torn by it. Because yes, this th- these songs, these all, all those songs could easily have been 
characters sung songs. They could have, like, Chicken Little, I mean, I would not have, I don't know if I could have listened to Zach Braff <laughs> sing that song. I love Zach Braff, and Zach Braff will always be, nice be JD from Scrubs. I could touch your body. I know yeah. not everybody got a body like you. Not you, sir. I, I mean, it's true. Not everybody has a body like it, me. Um, you, I mean, all you, all you, all you hear is Zach Braff. That's what you're saying. <laughs> all I hear, all I hear is Zach Braff. All I hear is JD from mm-hmm, Scrubs. That's okay. all I hear whenever any, whenever Zach Braff talks at all. Yeah. All I hear is narration in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not a bad thing. That's just that's just what it is. But I'm <clears throat> but going back to like the songs. I am I'm glad that the music that is in it. Mm-hmm is used in that way. I'm glad that they are other recordings, mm-hmm. um, but they record the songs that they, that the, the, the theme of the song works for the moment of the movie that they're yeah, in. And yeah. I'm okay with that. It doesn't it would be yank you out of the movie. If it, yeah. Right. Right. If it was completely out of place, that would be different. And I'd be like, okay, this is just, this is just, wait, no, this is horrible. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm distracted. Yeah. But the, bare naked ladies, one little slip while, while chicken little's running through the town. Uh-huh. I love that. I honestly, I well, I love that song. It's though. a good, it's a good sequence. It's a fun songs. song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a this this would not work as a musical. I didn't. There was never a moment in this where I was watching it going, oh, I wish this was more traditional Disney classic musical. No, I did not. Right. I did not have that that sense at all. Even going so far as when the characters were singing, I was like, Hey, Steve's on, cut it out. <laughs> I love you. No, I like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like my fifth cousin. <laughs> But still, stop. Stop singing. <laughs> Presidential flashcards? Yeah. Um, oh. So that's a deep cut for anybody out there listening who knows what movie I'm talking about. Uh, leave it in the comments if you know what, mm-hmm. com- what movie I'm talking about. Hashtag um, title that movie. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe that's what I need to start doing. I just need to start quoting random movies and seeing if people get what movies I'm <laughs> quoting. Doesn't matter. Um, I just gave you a hint. It's a movie. So, but yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I agree that this movie would have had to have been completely structurally different in order for it to be a traditional musical Disney movie. Um, It being this all over the place film with so many different types of movies in it, it doesn't work Mm. as a musical. It works better by just having these songs in place. Yeah. And the, and the voice actors themselves, uh, like you said, you don't want to hear Zach Braff singing and I don't want to hear someone who thinks they sound like Zach Braff singing where they cast a singer voice. Uh, But the the voice acting, this isn't, I I think Zach Braff's a, a fun choice. He's, it's weird because I don't think anyone would ever paint him as an an iconic character, like JD being an iconic character uh, from mm-hmm. television his, like comedies. But at the same time, he was nominated every year for an Emmy for best leading man in a comedy. So there's something to be said about his effect in sitcoms and and his place in in a comedy television history. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the voice acting in this film is good. I mean, he does do a good job. The the, the actors who they cast in the film, mm-hmm. uh, for all the voices, actually, I, it's a it's a weird casting of people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm completely okay with everybody who does the voices that they do. The fact that Gary Marshall is <laughs> is is the dad, yeah, yeah, always throws me off because I, in my head, I still okay to this day. Gary Marshall, in my head, is not an actor, okay? He's a director. I, I, he's a director. He's, you know, like, that's that's what he does. He he directs. That's, you know, he, <laughs> you know, he, 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 he created Happy Days. That's, you know, that's what that's I Gary picture Marshall, Gary Marshall. Yeah. That's Gary Marshall. You know, Mork and Mindy, like, all the 70s Laverne television Shirley, sitcoms. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's Gary Marshall. 
And then also for those of you out there, it's the old guy who dances with the witches in Hocus Pocus. Anyways. Um, Deeper cut. <laughs> deep cut, man. He's the devil husband. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> and that's Penny Marshall playing his wife, who's actually his daughter. It's weird. So anyways, the the weird th- uh, weird things beside. But he does a great job <laughs> in this movie <laughs> um, as the dad. He he plays a convincing, you know, he does. he's, there's some of those actors out there who when they do voice work, don't do a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know that they're used to being on screen and maybe they can emote real well and do better when they're live action. But when they're in a room in front of a microphone, usually acting by themselves, sometimes they just don't give a good performance because they're used to playing off of other people. Gary Marshall does a great job. And actually, it turns out apparently Zach Braff and Gary Marshall did a lot of their recording sessions together. Oh, really? That's that's funny. That's very rare, especially in, in, in big features like this that... That the actors would perform together. That's neat. <laughs> Actually, that, yeah. that kind of so, makes and, sense because their chemistry was quite good in this. Right. There was a lot of, you could tell there was a lot of like playing off of each other. It feels like they they were just actually talking to each other, especially like I think some of the scenes in like the car where they're, or the car mm-hmm. when they're driving down the road. That felt very natural. I feel like that would have been very difficult to have faked in editing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't have felt as natural as, uh, uh, as 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 if they had been in the same room, but but I mean, uh, besides those two guys, I mean, yeah, we have Joe, Joan Cusack as uh, Abby, who Abby, I already mentioned, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Steve Zahn as Runt mm-hmm. as the pig, um, but then like somebody like Don Knotts plays the mayor. <laughs> Don, Don Knotts as uh, the mayor, <laughs> which it's sadly that it's the last thing he did. Uh, yeah, but it's still it's so weird. It's like it's Don. By the way, I. I'm sorry. I like the I like the mayor character. I love that oh, he's that it, yeah. he's such a chicken, even though he's a turkey. <laughs> he's a turkey. Uh, <laughs> well, like when he's in the when he's in the when it's during the baseball scene and his like his bodyguard is like holding up reaction signs what for the, what he's supposed to be doing. Go, go follow <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> yes, I love distance that. yourself. Like, that gag is funny. <laughs> yeah, like that's funny to me. That uh, moment's a good moment. But then his his vocal reactions, which. I mean, let's be honest, about a third of this movie is just the characters making weird <laughs> oh, noises. Oh, man! Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Even Zach Braff, it's just a lot like, it's a lot of that is what this movie is. It's just vocal All right. reactions I think, to things. <laughs> I think what the people are asking for, Jeff, is for you to make a super cut of just reaction noises of Chicken Little. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, uh, you got Wallace Shawn snuck do. in there. I love uh, Patrick Warburton has a tiny little cameo in there. As the... But he just shows up as the alien cop <laughs> at the end of the movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, hey, Patrick Warburton, how you doing? <laughs> and you're gone. Yeah. You oh, got... and then, of course, okay, we cannot forget. Mm-hmm. We have to mention mm-hmm. Adam West yes. <laughs> as Hollywood Chicken Little. Uh, TC, I'm not going to lie. Call him Ace. <laughs> I would watch the crap out of that movie that they played at the end. <laughs> if you if just, they released that Chicken Little. <laughs> yes. Just completely campy, over the top, purposefully cheesy one. Mm-hmm. Like like going into that movie knowing <laughs> this is not supposed to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. Just run oh man, I would love that so much. That, you know I would have a blast it, watching that movie. I'm curious if uh if they had committed more to a specific era, like if they wanted to be in the nineties, they should have gone all in maybe. Um, but going, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of something like, um, like iron giant is a genre as a period piece. It's set in the cold war era, America. And to have like a campy B movie 
like that, if that could be reflected in the air it came out in, maybe if Chicken Little was set more in a, a, a more timely period instead of trying to be contemporary, that would have enhanced the film as well. We always do. We right. always do fantasy rewrites, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we do. That's what we do. TC, we're writers. Mm, this is what we do. We can't do. help it. Yeah. But yeah. I would agree. I mean, like the film already, like just like the, the locale and the setting and the, you know, you could even kind of argue, except for the fact that the, all the kids in the high school have flip phones and they pull out when yeah. the teacher walks away, uh, which I did make a note. It was like, oh, well, they got that thing right. <laughs> Except nowadays the kids would just have been on their phones Te- the entire time they, or, during gym. And they wouldn't have called their friends. They would have started texting their friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would have been it would have been a scene where they would have all just flipped out or I pulled out their phones and mm. it would have just been silent. <laughs> and just That's that, all they would have heard. That, that last bit with Adam West doing the, the fake movie or like the movie within the movie, uh, I like the, the joke that cracks me up is where uh, Runt is saying the lines of dialogue with his counterpart on the screen. <laughs> just leave me some ammo and a bag of chips. And chips. then he just leans over to, to Fish and goes, this is surprisingly accurate. <laughs> like, that's that's funny. <laughs> oh, and I like I like that, that I like that Fish in the movie mm-hmm. uh, is, like, is like super brain smart and speaks kind of like a um, kind of like a Leonard Nimoy-esque like vibe to him. I kind of got like a Spock vibe. Oh, right, right. In, in, the, in you know, the, just like, the fake in chicken the movie. Within movie. the movie. Yep, Captain, yep, yep. the problem is. <laughs> like, I just, I, I kind of dug that. Like, why did you give well, him a voice? <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't dig what they did with Abby, not just in the fake movie where they just turned her into the, oh, Ace, Abby, right. Ace, Abby. It, partic- even what they did to her in the film itself, where once Chicken Little kisses her, she's just swooning the rest of the movie. Uh, right. It, was a, it felt to me like a contrived way of removing her from the action to, so it could just be Chicken, and, Chicken Little and his dad. Um, for, for because they basically at that point it feels like they wrote themselves into uh, they wrote themselves into a corner. Yeah, they concluded you know, they that, were, they that were, yeah that that B plot of her having a crush on on Little was finished. So they were like, okay, let's they work the pedals, Abby. Yeah, instead of instead of maybe just like pulling her back a little bit and having her help again during that final climactic moment, mm-hmm. and then after that, you know, maybe have it be a excuse me, have it be a little more subtle. Have it be more of like, you know, thanks for helping and like kiss, yeah. like a peck on the cheek or something like that it's, or something, not just don't make her just be love struck for the last yeah, 10 she, minutes of the film. She's the only main female character in the movie and, and I felt like they dropped the ball on what they did with her in the end. She was very, she was a good counselor. Like she, she plays the, the mentor as character to Chicken Little through the course of the movie and then to write her off like they did in the end was a little disappointing. Just, just a, do better, Disney. <laughs> treat yeah, treat exactly. your female characters better. <laughs> um, oh, wait, TC. Hold on. One quick second here. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, in uh, in 2006, there was a PS2 game mm-hmm. called Chicken Little Ace in Action. Oh, you're going to totally which get was, that game, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to have to find it, guys. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, apparently it was... Uh, uh, it, it's, it's all based on Ace. It's based upon the movie within the movie. <laughs> And it's compared to the Ratchet and Clank series, which well, there I'm you go. <laughs> very intrigued by now, actually. For those, you, now, actually, for those who still have PlayStation 2s or an emulator, <laughs> you have a game to look forward to. But speaking of doing better, speaking of doing better, I didn't remember it happening. And when it started, I just was like, why are you doing a, okay. a dance number for the credits? It just... Oh, that's right. Because very DreamWorksy twist and turn of doing a dance number yeah. during the end credits. I've right? complained about this before. I think I did it on the Brother Bear episode. But like, don't 
I don't. Why does that <laughs> annoy do me that. so much? It's. It, I don't know why that annoys me so much, but it just feels cheap to to throw the characters up there to sing and dance to a song you could possibly sing along to if you know "Don't Go Breaking Your Heart" or "Don't Go Breaking My Heart," and to see them do wacky stuff as the credits roll. I feel like there's a there's a better way to do that. And you know, at least they put them on a black backdrop while the credits were rolling, as opposed to sticking them in the forest singing. Uh, and I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Like I don't know why. That okay, but well, the end of Shrek though has has them like singing a song and then stopping and then being like, "Let's do another one. Let's yeah. sing another." And just going like, "Okay." I don't know why <laughs> no. that bugs me so much because there's there is a way there is ways to do it well. Uh, um, or maybe not. Maybe I'm. Maybe I like. Maybe I like a, the movie I'm thinking of just too much more that I'm. I'm letting it slide with something I dislike so much. <laughs> What's the movie you're liking? What are you? What are you? What well, it's, you, it's what are you another thinking? one in the library. We get down the line, and oh, okay, and, okay. and I, I will you. have to come to terms with my feelings about that when we get there. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the dance credits. I like how you talked yourself out of it too, like in the middle of thought. You're just like, well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's not good. Actually, hold on. Give me a second. You're, you know what you were doing? You just became me for a little bit there, TC. <laughs> Having a very brief but but uh, but important conversation with the devil and the angel on my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then this guy showed up. And then Where he were you talking? Well, yeah, it's not in traffic. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, can we just go back and watch Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> <laughs> anytime, Jeff. Anytime. <laughs> the next episode. Every hey, three, we watched Emperor's yeah. New Groove again. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like every three or four episodes, we just rewatch Emperor's New Groove. I feel like we've had this conversation, <laughs> have we not? I feel like. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> so yeah, but the Chicken Little, the Chicken Little overall just. And unfortunately for me, it wasn't it wasn't the movie I remember. And it's like I said, it wasn't right, okay, horrible. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't it was not home on the range. No. no I no. I disagree. I, I I feel like there are some people out there who think it's worse than Home on the Range. I definitely do not. I yeah, think re, this movie is a lot better. Re, rewatch the both of them and, and then you decide. As we have decided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as we have also. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it obviously you could see that they were trying to figure out we're we're definitely in the midst of this era of these Disney movies where they were just they were trying to figure out who they are. Who, yeah, who Disney was kind of going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's it's over what fifty years old, right? So uh, this, this is perfectly point. timed midlife crisis. Yeah, <laughs> it's more of an identity crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so they're just they they don't know what they're doing. They're trying to figure out a way because the world around them, the, the animated world, uh, the family movies around them, mm-hmm. even Hollywood around them changed, and they didn't. Yeah. And now they're just they're trying to play catch up, but they don't. They don't understand what's working, mm-hmm. and they're trying just anything they can and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And, and it, it, I think that's what aided in this film, just kind of feeling like this hodgepodge of so many different types of movies and right. genres and plot points. It's it, it, If we look at the, the history of this library... It's having the the captain, the someone, the person in charge to make the tough decisions to help the the overall narrative quality of the movies. You had Walt Disney for for thirty years, right? Uh, when you go from mm-hmm. Snow White to around Hundred One Dalmatians Jungle Book era, and right. and he was he was the decision maker. He was the voice. Uh, sure, they had you know you had Roy Disney and you had uh, other people involved in the making of those films, but when it came down to it. He was captain of that ship. 
And after he was gone, we saw this rocky period of who's making the decisions here. We're all infighting. Nobody, nobody has a clear sense of what's going on. Uh, Katzenberg came in, him and Eisner, they really mixed things up. But as soon as they found their voice and how, and how to inject that into Disney with the assets they had, and that's how we got the Renaissance, um, and now we're in this era where there isn't, there's no one leading, the, like guiding this ship, and that's why it's so important to this this collection of films that you have a voice like John Lasseter who's who's going to come in, and you will see the effects of having that key figure in place on the movies that we then get, you know, for better or for worse, right? You can just having a voice is important, whether or not you agree mm-hmm. with what that voice is saying. That's a matter of taste when you're watching these movies. Uh, but right now, right. to me, and, and as you referenced, Jeff, there's there's clearly a, a weird identity crisis thing happening here with the, with these films, and I I definitely think it's I, it's that they don't have that person in charge to make the tough decisions. Right. Yeah. And and I'm I'm looking forward to um, seeing what these movies do once we know Lasseter got in charge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of see his I hands, kinda yeah. know because <laughs> it's funny because in in in, a, in we're only. We're only, I guess, we have two more episodes, and then we're back into the era of Disney that I started watching again. Mm-hmm. And the it's funny because, yeah. yeah, the modern era, because that's about the time that Lasseter would have been already, like, those are the movies that he would have had a say in. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny how, oh, look, Disney all of a sudden got better again. <laughs> like, they kind of got away from these weird films, and now they're back into, a, oh, a decent new era of films. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no matter how much you hate Frozen. Um, <clears throat> we'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> I had a conversation with with a listener about that. That's not for this episode, but for maybe off mic or later. Um, but for, as far as Chicken Little is concerned, I didn't have any strong memories of it to begin with. I had seen this before. Uh, the the one the strongest memory I had for this is I hated the poster, and the poster <laughs> was him with the Men in Black costume on with the sunglasses yeah. sitting on the egg. That poster ticked me off so much because it was it it was so. It, it, like that didn't make any sense. Why is this the thing? Okay, I guess maybe because there's aliens involved. It just felt like, hey, here's something you'll recognize. Come see our movie, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But even so, okay, because so it's him sitting in the chairs. Now, is that isn't that? Um, I'm I'm actually sorry. I'm googling it right now just to verify. I think that's yeah, because that was the poster for Men in Black Two. Yeah, and there's was the, them sitting in the eggs, right? And the egg chairs. The egg chairs are from Men. In Black. It's it's just a stupid reference for them to right. to waste Which, their time right on. there. But at the same time, if you look at how many '90s references this 90s movie already reference. gave, yeah, it's another '90s reference. So of course it is. Like it's <laughs> it's 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 okay when you think of it in that manner. But I excuse me, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. It's horrible because it's a just wait, stop it. What, why, why? I don't, it doesn't make sense. Aside from that, that one strong feeling I had about the movie, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily ambivalent to it. I never, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. So rewatching it again, I had a, a, a pretty fresh perspective on it. Uh, I remembered the plot very thoroughly. I remembered the little aliens and whatnot. Um, but Appreciating. I'm glad the, you did. <laughs> I could appreciate the the visual gags, the 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 slew of visual puns, um, the ones that worked. I I dug them. The jokes that didn't, I rolled my eyes at them. And and I don't think we're in the same ballpark as Brother Bear when we're when all we can say is it's fine because <laughs> I think there is yeah. a little bit more to this movie. Um, 
than that. <laughs> yes. This movie is, uh, and I guess that's kind of tipping our hand as to where we're ranking these mm-hmm. movies, which we might as well go into. TC, of all the movies <laughs> that we have watched so far, just so I could say uh, it, yeah. where do you rank it on this list? Go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I walked away from it. I was trying to place it. I had a general idea of where I was going to put it on the list in terms of what we've watched in this block so far. And for those listening who might not know, uh, if this happens to be one of your earlier episodes that you're listening to, we are watching these movies in series of 10, and we then rank the movies 1 through 10, so we don't have to rank the movies 1 through 56. (laughs) So in this current (laughs) block, this was our (laughs) sixth movie in this chunk. Man, we're on the sixth one already. Um, I know, right? We're getting close to the end, TC. Stop saying that. (laughs) No, I need to make sure everyone's aware we're almost done. I I thought that our conversation would help me. I I figured it would help me solidify where I was going to place it. I have not moved it from where I put it on my list. It came down to, excuse me, it came down to if I popped this in or this in, which would I rather watch? And uh, I knew Lilo and Stitch was going to stay on top. I've seen Treasure Planet too many times to not I, to bump it down. Uh, right. So it came down to Atlantis versus Chicken Little of where I was going to place it because I liked it. Okay. I liked this more than Brother Bear, just for the fact that they're dumping every joke they can onto the screen, so there wasn't really too much downtime. Whereas Brother Bear, it drags in a spot, and it's certainly not home on the range. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it came down to is this a better or worse than Atlantis? And I'm going to put it below Atlantis. Uh, and make it my number four on the list so far um, for many of the reasons we've we've discussed already, um, as well as putting it where I, above the other two in also the other the things we've discussed already. I think that it got some stuff right, but it didn't get enough right for me to put it any higher on my list. So I'm now wondering, <laughs> have we still matched our lists, <laughs> or have we finally broken the system? Jeff, where do you rank it in the movies we've watched so far? <laughs> We broke the system. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Let's see where you're going to put this. <laughs> but, but, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. Not by a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, actually, no, that's a complete and utter lie. Oh, no. <laughs> Go ahead. What do we got? Not by a ton. <laughs> um, I personally, <laughs> um, no, actually, no, that's a lie. It's not by a lot. <laughs> I'm putting it at my number three. I'm putting it above, above Atlantis. Atlantis. Mm. Just because I'm so close here, <laughs> just, I know, right? But 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 for very similar reasons as what you said. First off, Home on the Range is still, despite it being, I guess now number sixth on our list, mm-hmm. Home on the Range is still number ten on this list. <laughs> I do not think anything is going to be worse than Home on the Range. Yeah. Though we'd still have two more movies that I have not seen on this list <laughs> that could very well change. But <clears throat> for me, it, it comes down to I, I really did. For much like what you said, I liked the I liked a lot of the visual gags in it, mm-hmm. and despite the fact that the film is kind of all over the place, and that there's these weird '90s nostalgia references in it, I did like the music. I did like the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation for it was done real was done very well, considering it's 2005. Right. You know, we're still very early because because you got to think, Toy Story had only been out for 10 years at this point, but when this movie went into production, it was you know less than that. You know, we're, we're so early in it, and there's definitely moments in the film where I'm wa- looking at it going, ooh, <laughs> that lighting looks like Toy Story lighting. Like, it was a little off. It was missing <laughs> something. That's the technical side of me. And I went to school for this sort of thing. Right, so it's right. like, I, I, I have to see it. That's what I, I'm, I was taught to look for. 
but I, it was still fun. I liked a lot of the, I liked a bunch of like kind of more of the, the rapid fire jokes. I liked mm-hmm. more of the visual gags. Like again, the, the bird and the bull in the China shop that was entirely in the background outside of the car um, during a conversation between Chicken Little and his dad. Like that's the part you're supposed to be paying yeah. attention to. Meanwhile, there's this weird gag in the background happening. Like there's little things like that that I, I, <laughs> I know, I know. You're disagreeing with no, me, No, no, I'm not disagreeing I, I with you. It. I'm agreeing with you, which now is leading me to question if I've misplaced <laughs> my movie. Because now it's... No, but, but see... <laughs> yeah, go Because now go it's ahead, a matter ahead, of... Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> now it's me sitting there imagining watching Atlantis sitting next to you or Chicken Little sitting next to you. And I feel like our sense of humor is so similar that if we were watching right. Chicken Little, we would have a more enjoyable time than if we were watching Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, not, I'm not. Have I ever? TC, bumped, is this? Mm, I was just gonna say, is this the first like like you're changing your your review? You can still change it. I think you've, I think we've done this one time. <laughs> I think I'm I've done positive. this once before, where you convinced me. Yeah. After your and I think it, and, and also I think it's been vice versa. I think we've done it where 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 I've given mine and you've convinced me <clears> to and switch I think, it. I think the rule has always been <laughs> as long as we do it before the end of the episode, it still counts. Lock it into place. <laughs> we can't. Yeah, we can't change it after the episode is recorded. I, okay, so let me let me let me rash, like figure this out. <laughs> okay. let's work this out out loud so all the listeners can experience this conflict with me. <laughs> if someone said, you know, hey, sit down, watch one of these two movies, I, think I, I would I would watch Chicken Little. Yeah, first. yeah, yeah. I, I I'm working on me, Jeff. This is me. I know. I'm just maybe maybe I can help. If you, I had TC, to watch it alone, just... I think. Mike McNola's artwork. I love that. I really like that final action sequence in Atlantis. That's but true. If I was watching it with anyone, I just think it'd be more fun to watch Chicken Little. Dang it, Jeff. You're making me change. <laughs> but again, you know what I this mean, problem is, Jeff? Supposed... I can't commit. What? I'm having a problem committing 100% <laughs> on where. And that's the end of the episode, everybody. That's called the bookend. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what happens. We just we find that happy bookend, and whatever our ending is supposed to be, forget it. We don't care. We're just we're bookending the show now, guys. And <laughs> and stubbornly, stubbornly, there's that small part of me that's like that small part of me that's like I want our lists to maintain the same. <laughs> it's so close. This is one of those situations it where close. it's a fraction between. You know what? Forget it. Hemant and Han, people don't need to hear me listening. Listen to me babble on about this. I'm keeping the list the same. I'm putting Chicken Little above Atlantis, <laughs> but only by a little. And with an asterisk, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's perfectly okay because as mm. we've we've discussed this before, that so many of these movies, the the we rank them in a way where it comes down to that deciding factor. Mm. If I was given the choice of watching this one or this one, which one would I would watch? Well, yeah, if you're by yourself, you might watch Atlantis, but if you're with a group of people watching, you throw in Chicken Little, yeah. which means that they are they are basically the same <laughs> position. They have the same score, <laughs> but there's there's the same score except there's an asterisk of depending upon the situation. Like that's kind of just there's a tiny little like, you know, well, uh not descriptor, but uh yeah, yeah. Little uh, little uh, caveat. Well, yeah, caveat, would you it. speaking of watching this with people, I think this is perfect for little kids. I think that this is oh, one absolutely. of those movies pop it in. Uh, it's it's distracting enough and enjoyable enough that I don't think any kid any adult would be offended if a kid wanted to keep watching this. Uh, as and well, what's nice about it yeah. is that because there's because the like the type of again in my head the type of film shifts. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually giving a plus to the fact that 
the type of movie changes <laughs> so constantly. It works ADD. in favor of a, exactly of like a modern generation mm-hmm. where we have a short attention span. It's a different movie every ten minutes, so you never get bored. It's not a father son, you know, uh, uh, like bonding movie, movie yeah. the entire film. It's not an alien film the entire movie. It's not a high school movie the entire like it's it keeps changing. And then once the aliens show up, it's so Something weird different. and ridiculous <laughs> that you're just like, I have to keep watching. I don't know what I've been watching for the last half hour, but now there's a little Furby because we didn't bring up Furby. It, uh, there's a it, tiny it does little, look like a little, little little alien, little cutesy little alien man, little, little cutesy they, little alien. They certainly thought that was going to be a doll everyone wanted. <laughs> oh, you can tell, you can tell, and I like that. And we, you know what? We, real quick, sidetrack. Didn't mention about the voice actors, but the people who do the voice of the the parents ah. of Kirby. Sorry, not I called it Furby. Mm-hmm. It's Kirby. Kirby yeah. But the parents are uh, Catherine O'Hara and uh, Fred Willard. Fred Willard, yeah, which is just like <laughs> that's amazing. Catherine <laughs> like, O'Hara, another SCTV alum. If you want to go back to the yep. uh, the McKenzie brothers from last week. Uh, and then Fred, Fred, both of them being Christopher Guest's uh, go-to part, part of his troupe. Uh, exactly. Yeah, great. <laughs> a fun little, great. Fun just little small part. For, for, for five minutes in the movie when it turns out that the big bad aliens are oh, actually just sweetie. parents that were looking for their kid. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that so much. So, uh, anybody want to use the big boom voice or big bad voice or whatever? <laughs> oh, it's just, I just love that. Did you use your big voice at me? Uh, were there any tropes? <laughs> were there any tropes that you... Uh, there, um, there is I, uh, at least two. The, Right, the <laughs> perpetually barefoot lead character. Oh, I didn't think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a chicken. It's true. So he yeah. doesn't wear shoes, but you know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's a little thin. Yeah. Um, single parent mm-hmm. of the protagonist. Yep, single parent. So we're going back to like the the whole like we don't know what happened to the mom. Obviously, something she happened to away. the mom because yeah, because yeah, there was a wasn't there a, a photo of the family? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think in the they, house they make reference to her being gone and and the sadness in his in uh, Buck's Buck's voice appears to be. Uh, that he lost her. Like, you know, I wish she was still lost here. Her. Yeah. Um, that was, those are the only two that I caught. Was there another book, one that you saw like, that I kind, I kind of the once oh, the, upon a time book entry is sort of like that's a true. pseudotrope, the <laughs> fact that they address it. Uh, which which I did say this is a great start to, to this new era of film in terms of the CG, but it's also a, 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 just that opening is a nice way to put to rest the classic fairy tales um, not to not to put them rest, kind, put them down for a nap because they will right, be right. <laughs> kind of like, kind of approaching it in this in the manner of that was kind of the old us. Yeah, we're not doing we're that anymore. Let's now. move on. Yep, yep. Um, well, let's. Uh, I know it's not a trope, but it's always I always like worth. worth I always feel it's worth mentioning exposition through newspaper. It's a very rare thing that happens <laughs> nowadays. But you watch all the like movies. It needs to in more films. Exposition through newspaper is a is a classic cinema technique that. I don't feel as used enough anymore. <laughs> Mostly because print is dead, Jeff. Print is dead. Now the Harry Potter films did a really good job in like the later films. Mm, yes. uh, they always have kind of like those montage moments where it's, um, uh, especially I think during Order of Phoenix, I think is when they really start doing it, where they have those like the cameras like moving through all the newspaper yeah. articles, kind of telling you the passage of time. Like like that's a kind of a nicer, kind of a cooler, newer way of doing, doing it. Yeah. Exposition um, through newspaper you know, is very. Oh. Tried and true technique. I need to, man. We need to write something where we have exposition in a newspaper because I feel I would just love to include. What I want to do though is I would want to do the old school like spinning newspaper that just stops like uh, upright. Just <laughs> it tells some, you the newspaper with article. Some punny title, yeah. Pun, pun yes, headline. absolutely. Well, let's see what the <laughs> listeners have to say. I'm going to go over to uh, Facebook.com/slash/topshelfpod. Every Monday before we record, we throw up the episode uh, that we're going to be discussing. And ask for any questions or comments you might want to discuss. 
These episodes go up every Wednesday, and you can head over to the Facebook page to comment on, on what we may have missed or, or your thoughts on, on our reactions to the film in general. I feel like there's a split on how people are going to feel about our overall. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't think we certainly did not tear this apart like we did last week. Which was no. which was very fun. <laughs> not that I, I want to go into a movie and just and eviscerate it, but we had a good right. time not liking Home I'm, on the Range last week. <laughs> guys, I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah, I, I obviously I don't like make I don't like ripping apart films, but we ended last week's recording and I felt just so good. I was like, <laughs> that was so much fun. I re-listened to the episode and I I, I found myself just enjoying our own <laughs> conversation. I'm not, you know, yeah. I, I don't have a big head or anything. Yeah. I enjoyed last week's episode, uh, but it won't happen all the time. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes episodes ends and, and at least one of us goes, ah, could have done better. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we'll head over to the comments section for Chicken Little. Uh, we've got a, got a good handful here. So uh, first up, Natasha, thank you for listening. Uh, despite popular opinion, this is one of my favorites. I like the beginning with the different openings, the randomness, puns, fish out of water, and Kirby is just adorable. Yes. <laughs> and you know, Natasha, I will say Kirby is, is adorable. Yeah. That's an absolute agreeing, <laughs> yes. Uh, we, you might not find that you agreed with us over the past hour. But you might find that we did agree with you <laughs> on nearly everything you said right there. The different openings, yeah. the randomness, the puns, fish out of water. Like, yeah. Um, but thank you. Thank you for the comments. Uh, Thomas, one of our one of our devoted listeners, says, it's a question here. Would you say with Chicken Little and Ella Enchanted that Jeffrey Katzenberg had the last laugh between him and Disney? Uh, no, Ella Enchanted is the Anne Hathaway live action. Live action movie, right? Tale. Okay. I... I don't, hmm, I don't know if Last Laugh, like, certainly DreamWorks came out of the gate running and, and really became some hard competition for Disney. And Disney is certainly trying to play catch-up right now with the movies that they're releasing. But I don't know if if Jeffrey Katzenberg would laugh, because Chicken Little and Ella Enchanted were both financial successes, whereas a lot of the movies that DreamWorks was releasing were breaking even, right? Right. So they were doing okay, yeah. basically. <laughs> Although I, I do think that what maybe what Thomas is saying, and he'll correct us when this episode goes up, but I think, Thomas, what you might be saying <laughs> is that uh, Disney is trying to comp- trying to do what DreamWorks is doing, right? So Katzenberg, right. like, ah, see, so my ideas weren't so bad. Maybe you should have left me in charge. Right. Um, although, you know, it's worth wondering, had if Katzenberg had stayed what would have happened? Like, would would the types of DreamWorks movies we got, like uh, Prince of Egypt and and Shrek and uh, Road to El Dorado, those movies that he made outside the Disney umbrella, okay, you know, you can argue Shrek and you can argue, you can argue points on all three of those movies, but are they Disney good? And I don't mean like, right. I just mean Disney in general, like not, not this era, <laughs> because you would argue, you could argue that those three movies are better <laughs> Well, definitely better than Home on the Range, but <laughs> <laughs> so are you? Are you asking like, would those movies, would those have been made under the Disney, Disney banner? Movie, yeah, if if Katzenberg was left in charge, is that the is that what we could have expected from the Disney Library? And if that's the case, I don't know if if we would have continued to see Renaissance level films because, right? Honestly, and I know I'm super biased because you've hear you've heard me complain about DreamWorks and Katzenberg ad nauseum. I I don't think. 
I don't even know what I was going to say. I was just going to insult him again. So, <laughs> <laughs> insert General Katzenberg yeah. uh, insult yeah, yeah. here. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it's I think it is important to point out that like had he stayed on, would they have? You know, obviously, I, I doubt that they would have put um, Lassiter in charge. No, no, gosh, no. I, you know, they he would not have been he would not have been able to call the shots. I feel like I feel like Katzenberg would have stuck on, would have brought, you know, would have done stuff, would mm-hmm. have slowly started churning the company because I'm sure he would have gone like, hey, look, none of the stuff we've been doing lately is working. We got to try a new direction. Let's go. This this is what we want. This is what we want to do. You're gonna have to listen to me, and he's just gonna start pushing out. Movies like Shrek and movies like those oh, I, that yeah. would have been the new direction, which then brings up the question of would there ever have been a Frozen? Would no, there have I, been I don't know. those I, types of Disney films? I, I think what happened is because Katzenberg took DreamWorks and was trying to compete against what Disney was doing, what he had been right. doing. We got the movies that DreamWorks initially created. And then their push towards CG was in the wake or around the time that Pixar was coming up. And so then DreamWorks stopped competing with Disney and started competing against Pixar. And, you know, this is all hypothetical, but if Katzenberg had stayed at Disney and continued to try to do whatever he would try to do, Pixar still would have come up. Like, Pixar was still, they wouldn't have had that Disney money, but they were owned by ILM originally, right? They were their own right. thing. And Disney still at this point doesn't own them. They work, they distribute them. So Pixar would have came up and then Disney itself would have started competing with Pixar and we probably would have got Shark's Tale competing against Finding Nemo and Monsters right. vs. Aliens competing against uh, uh, Monsters, Inc. So... Because what would have happened was is that because no this is a very fast I'm liking this we're looking into an alternate uh, dimension right now <laughs> right because what would have happened was at the time that Disney bought Pixar mm-hmm. when that happened their contract was up their distribution contract was done was right. going to be done with Disney so more than likely had Katzenberg stayed on the contract would have come up Pixar probably would have gone hey you guys know what we're good we're and would have done. Yeah. Kind of, and I know Marvel is owned by Disney, I get that, but like would have kind of gone the route of like a Marvel Studios where it went, hey, we can do our own thing, thanks, yeah, peace. Thanks anyway. And just started being their own Pixar released films. It would not have been a Walt Disney and Pixar. It would have just been Pixar. Yeah. They would have just done, they would have become their own full-fledged studio and distribution studio and, and, and would have started releasing those movies by themselves. And we might have been looking at an era, a, a Pixar in this alternate dimension we're looking at. We might have been. Looking I'm liking at this a, Earth Two dimension, guys. <laughs> this is great. A I like Pixar this. that wouldn't do sequels, because Lasseter right. coming in and saying no sequels, and and them wanting. The, if you look at their, if you look at Wally and Inside Out and um, and Coco, like the movies that are wholly original, those are the superior films. I I know that's. I mean, Toy Story. The, the original three Toy right. Stories is one of the most perfect trilogies ever created, but they're still right. part of the sequel machine. And if Pixar and Earth Two <laughs> was was its own entity, I I wonder if we would have seen sequels. They probably as soon as Katzenberg and Disney figure out how to compete and started like body checking them against the wall, then Pixar would have been like, maybe we better do a second Cars. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we would have still had Toy Story Two because that was the late '90s. That was like '99, 2000 mm-hmm, when that mm-hmm. one came out. So we would have still had that sequel, but whether or not we would have had Toy Story Three, mm-hmm. and then definitely not Cars Two, yeah. definitely not Monsters <laughs> University. We wouldn't have had any of those sequels. Uh, you wouldn't have had. Well, you might have still had a Finding Dory because Ellen was huge on maybe on pushing that one the, through. The, well, um, I mean, really, it, 
gosh, we're so, it was all like, we're, we're, we're down the rabbit hole here. I think that like, despite Ellen being huge and, and Dory being a great character, I think they would have just came up with something new and been like, like, Hey, we're going to do the good dinosaur. Ellen voiced the dinosaur, right? Yeah, true. They would just given her yeah. another character to voice. Well, it's a, it's a, so look at, look at the conversation you created, Thomas, by your question. <laughs> now, did we answer your question? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, here, here's a great comment I don't from, think so. from Wyatt, one of our other uh, long-term listeners. <laughs> I read this one. read this one. (laughs) This movie is an affront to human decency and intelligence, among other things. I almost considered not leaving a comment, but but I couldn't resist. Chicken Little is one of those films where you can't help but question whether or not the filmmakers had any respect for their audience. If Home on the Range was a test for Disney to make DreamWorks quality films, then this film may as well have been a huge neon sign boasting, Hey, we're Disney. We can be hip with it. We make we make movies for the cool kids too. If there was ever a film to illustrate a studio's need to get that green ASAP, Chicken Little is definitely near the top of the list. Screw this movie. Dang, Wyatt, you do not like this movie. <laughs> now, as we've all said on this podcast before, everybody, mm-hmm. you all have your opinions. Oh, sure. Yeah. This is, this is uh, I mean, he you're wrong. But... <laughs> no, no, he's, 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 the, the, he's no, verging no, 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 into I'm hyperbole. Just he's, yes. just, he's just messing with you, Wyatt. Uh, I'm just messing with you, Wyatt. Yeah, anyone, any, he, Wyatt, what he was saying is anyone who says Home on the Range is a good movie, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, True. That movie is horrible. I, and the one kid out there whose dreams I crushed last week, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love those cows. Look. But those cows are terrible. I, I, I hope listening to our conversation here kind of gave you a little more insight into why Chicken Little exists as it does. I'm not going to fault you for hating this movie because maybe with a more cynical mindset when I sat down to watch the movie today, I probably would have been more annoyed. Because um, how you go into a movie is going to affect how a movie affects you. Is going to affect how a movie affects you. Affects you know what you. I'm saying, Jeff. <laughs> um, so I can perfectly understand your annoyance with this movie and, you know, may. I, this isn't one I'm going to rush out to watch again. Um, no, I think... Uh, I unless think I watch it with Jeff, which is why I've yeah, ranked it true. where I've ranked. <laughs> <laughs> which is why you ranked it where you ranked it the first time, TC. <laughs> there was definitely no going back and changing that opinion. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've watched this. This is this is honestly... I know I watched it a couple of times mm-hmm. after this movie came out. And since this is 2005. I think I watched it like after I graduated college. So I think sometime around like... 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, and I watched it a couple times then, but I I know I have not seen this movie in almost 10 years. And I watched it and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is not what I remembered it being. But it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't as good as I remember it being. And <laughs> I'm good for another 10 years. Okay, good. I'll just listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> Correction, well, I'll just listen to the Bare Naked Ladies the bare and the Fly for Fighting you song. Know, funnily enough, I just noticed Evan commented below and he says... This one is so much worse than Home on the Range. Rarely have I ever seen a movie that felt so desperate. What? Evan, were you the kid I disappointed last week? <laughs> oh no. Oh guys, I know he found me. Oh no. <laughs> Jeff, oh, no. Jeff, oh, no. Jeff. Okay, let's let's try to I be gotta run away. Let's, let's just back up the train here uh, and and think about this, Jeff. Let's really just take a moment to compare Chicken Little to Home on the Range. And I think I, we we did this. We are, we already kind of discussed this over the quality of this. And Evan and Wyatt, you guys, I comp- I perfectly understand your your opinions. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. 
Um, though we, we are disagreeing. I'm not like, you're wrong. I'm not trying to convince right. you otherwise. But when I look at Home on the Range from a technical standpoint versus Chicken Little from a technical standpoint, when I look from a narrative standpoint as well, like obviously big picture, you could you can put them side by side and make your decision. But to look at the death of 2D animation with Home on the Range and the birth of CGI with Chicken Little, just from that level right there, the quality is better in Chicken Little in my opinion. Right, um, right. It's 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 a it's a very weak entry to the beginning of this era, but man, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. I know that's not, that's a backhanded compliment, but <laughs> it so... could have been a lot worse. But what's nice is that because I know what's coming, mm-hmm. I know it does get better. Yeah, and that's the one thing that you we like. I I and I'm pretty sure we can all even you know all the listeners and then you and me both can agree with this. Mm-hmm. We know it gets better. Yeah, we know what's coming <laughs> down the line, and that this is just the start. And I could appreciate what they were attempting to do mm-hmm. while trying to figure out what they were doing, yeah. basically. Because you can you can clearly see it in Chicka Little. Like, like we said before, they just didn't know what they were doing, and they were trying to do stuff. They were getting And I out. can give them merits for that. How about this? I just thought of this now. Home on the Range, Chicken Little, which would make the better riff tracks? I think Home on the Range would make the better riff Home tracks. on the Range. Because <laughs> yes. it yes. is so ripe to be mocked. Whereas as <laughs> Chicken Little, to, to be, you know, I'm being negative on both of these, but to, to be more honest with, oh, man, should Atlantis be above Chicken Little? Anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> with with uh, Chicken Little. It's, DC, it's, you have about five minutes to change your I opinion, know, and then gosh. the show's done. Everyone's, is it going to be like, as we're fading out, you're going to be like, wait, no, 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 Atlantis, Atlantis is above, above Atlantis Chicken Little. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we end the show. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you're anyway, of changing it, aren't you? Aren't I'm, you? <laughs> I am. I'm changing it in my head right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Lilo and Stitch is still number one. Home in the Range is Lilo still, the Stitch bottom is still number one. I yes. think Home in the Range would make the better riff tracks because of how ripe it is to be mocked, whereas Chicken Little is just ripe to be ro- have your eyes rolled at it. Is that is that a right. very cynical way to, to describe That's a good the two way. movies? <laughs> yes, because you because because in Home on the Range, I fully believe that none of those jokes landed. Not a single, like barely anything in that movie worked. Except when me. Patrick Warburton. This showed. movie, except for Patrick Warburton, yes. Uh, and then again, the 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 what was it the pigs that said kill the goat or the kill whatever the, the, the ducks that said yeah <laughs> that was funny. But the, in my head, that's the only time I laughed at that movie. Right. This movie, there was at least like there was there was a, a, a little bit of a heart in one spot. Mm. There was some funny sight gags that worked. There was some funny jokes that were. I'm saying some because I'm well aware this movie is not Emperor's New Groove level of perfect. No, in my head, <laughs> like where it's just like every joke is is like yeah. lands perfectly. Like it's not that it's not that by a long shot, Mm-mm. which is why it's not our number one. Yeah. <laughs> like it's still kind of middle of the list right now. Yeah, we, because we don't have any breakouts. Leon Stitch is so high above everything else at this point that yeah. everything else is kind of well, and then Home on the Range is so down. <laughs> okay, it's funny that we have such a high and such a low on our yeah. list right now. It's going to uh, make this next couple of movies I interesting. Have, I have two tweets that I could hit. Do you okay. have any tweets, tweets this week? I do not. However, I had a couple people, a couple people who were in, who who liked my posts okay. uh, in regard to the posting, but unfortunately, no okay. uh, actual, yeah, no actual. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You can you comments. can Twitter page at Jeff at Random Bell, and you can get me at TC's Big Head if you want to tweet questions at us that we can hit up at any point or just engage us in conversation if that's your method of social media. I also have a theory, a personal theory that I wanted to bring up. Ooh, okay. Uh, let me let me hit the comments first, and then I'll do the theory. So first. Uh, this is a comment from the future, Jeff. Um, this is a, this is a tweet from the future, and uh, Ooh, I, don't, I don't know how Fantastic. it made its way through time and space to get here now, 
But the tweet says... Well, that's the doctor. I, I guess. But the tweet is, Jeff, Penny Marshall is Gary Marshall's sister. Ah! <laughs> really? I always thought it was his... I always thought it was his daughter. Yeah, there you go. Mm. That's not a real tweet. You waited till now <laughs> to, to to correct me on that. I couldn't find any way to like crowbar it in. I didn't want to do, do that. Okay, here's a here's a real tweet. You realize that there's already comments in the Facebook section. <laughs> they can delete I'm it wrong. now. They can delete it now. <laughs> go delete your comment. Um, uh, okay, so this is Dang a t- it. this is a tweet from. Uh, this is semi-related. So this came from a conversation of uh, if you could exist like. Take yourself as you are now and go into a fictional world. Which fictional world would you go into? This was a comics comments a tweet comment thread I was having with a friend Jim, and uh, you know Harry Potter, Star Wars, um, uh, Game of Thrones. Why would you want to go there? I don't know. Um, so there's a, it feels like a lot of incest and death in that world. <laughs> I don't want to do that one. Thanks. So <laughs> I, I posited this question. I was just going back and forth with some friends, and Jim said if he could insert himself into any fantasy world as he is now, the world that would be the best to go into would be the busy world of Richard Scarry. Do you know what the busy world of Richard Scarry is? I do not. I apologize. I, go I ahead, Google it real know. quick. I bet you do. Yeah, I am right now. I bet you do. It's the children's book series. He was, and he did this just. Oh yeah. yes, yes, I do know this. Okay, sorry. I had to look at. I had to look at the images of course, in order yeah. for me to know what this is. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So to transplant yourself into that world and become an animal and exist, it's the most pleasant, wonderful world you can exist in. And the reason I, I bring it up for this this episode is because Chicken Little is essentially a hyper 90s-esque version of the busy world of Richard Scarry. (laughs) (laughs) True, but you know, I guess we're on the topic, you know what world I want to be in? Mm. What's Waldo. Waldo. You want to be, why would you want to be some random person who's not Waldo? (laughs) Because I can disappear into the crowd and Uh, no one looks for uh, me. I would search for you, Jeff. Where's his other shoe? Okay, but you anyway. would, <laughs> except for the fact that I would not be wearing a red and white striped jacket because mm. that's stupid. Mm. Apparently, everybody in that world wears a very similar outfits. <laughs> well, this this the reason <laughs> I brought that up anyway is just because it kind of lended itself to Chicken Little. But it does go to my theory. Chicken okay. Little is nothing but animals. Now, if you s- save for that one clip of Raiders of the Lost Ark, could this be the same universe as Robin Hood and Zootopia? Oh, okay. Is okay. My I remember we were, we were we were we were discussing this way back. I think when we did Robin Hood. Yeah, when we did we? Robin Hood, it was the, someone had asked if we thought Zootopia was connected to Robin Hood, and it's a great theory because it fits. Right. It one hundred percent. There's, I mean, the fact that they designed a lot of the characters in Zootopia after the designs in Robin Hood, it, all the evidence is there to connect the two worlds. Uh, when when someone asked that question, I I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh oh. Uh, oh man! Uh, oh no! I remember the tweet. Someone had asked us if we wanted a third movie in this universe. I started to say yes, and then I went, "Oh wait, there already is one," and I was assuming it was Chicken Little. So it's Chicken Little could, and Zootopia. Could Chicken Little exist in the Robin Hood Zootopia universe? <laughs> I think it, actually, honestly, if, I think that that's a fully real. That's possible because I mean because because so we were discussing I remember back with Robin Hood like okay so the Robin Hood movie took place back in medieval times mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. that world it's it's we'll call it Earth three since we've already established <laughs> a second Earth in this week's episode but Earth three where animals are its own uh, it's it's a world mm-hmm. full it's 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 a world just like our world except animals inhabited it instead I, ju- I just um, figured out a rationale for Indiana Jones I figured right. out why there'd be a human up on the screen why that would exist. Because we are a bunch of humans watching anthropomorphic animals on the screen. Why wouldn't the reverse of that in an animal world be seen 
humans up on the screen. Right? So does that mean that in that world there are humans, but wait, is this like the Planet of the Apes world where humans <laughs> are actually animals? Like, they're all you mute? Did it! Damn you! All the hell! T- <laughs> See, now TC, that means that we are back on Earth One. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go, You Jeff. just negated Earth Three, TC. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, no, that's... No, I do. I think, I think that's a logical... I think we could argue that, yes, um, that, that, uh, that Robin Hood took place back in the medieval times mm-hmm. on that planet, and now with, uh, with Chicken Little, Chicken Little very much so could be on that same earth, but just in the 90s, since there are so many, like late 90s, early 2000s, since there are so many references to that era. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Zootopia is just... In the 2000s. A little further, yeah, a little mm. further into the future. Like, it, I think that's a total, totally, totally viable uh, uh, theory. I, I, I'm... And that's the that's the animal world that is animal. separate from yeah. the like Pixar theory world of like oh well, you know like Toy Story and all that like this is we, this is we need Disney's a chart. own connective universe. We need a chart. I think it, it has to happen. <laughs> but I think that doesn't. I've hit all my notes. I don't know if you've hit all your notes. I've hit all mine as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, basically, it just this movie was uh, Chicken Little was uh, was interesting. It was not the movie I remembered, but I still was okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's not just. Fine, yeah. as we've previously for discussed, Bear. but uh, <laughs> yeah, for Brother Bear. But it's it's there's there's some there are some merits to this film that you can you can you can kind of give it uh, uh, a little bit of leeway and just be like, all right, okay, they 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 tried, yeah, they tried. Maybe that's my new one. Our t-shirts <laughs> should be their, our t-shirts need to just be it's fine, it's fine, and, and then another one that just says they, they tried. tried. <laughs> uh, all right, so again, you can hit us up on Twitter at TC's Big Head at Random Bell. Hit us up on Facebook, facebookcom slash pod. Uh, what are we watching next week? Mr. Jeff. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, next week we skip to 2007 for the number 47th movie on our list. The I think this is a sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. Question mark. Question mark. I'm just gonna keep talking uphill like oh, this. Okay. Everything I, know, I say. I know what it is. I didn't look because I have I not seen this movie. Mm-hmm. We the next two are ones I have never seen and had no desire to see, and now I have to for the yeah. sake of this podcast. Yeah. The 2007 uh, again CG animated film Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons. So, and uh, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> don't look up anything. Go in cold. I will not. I am not going to say anything. Uh, we TC, will... I've looked at the poster. Oh, cool. uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> there's a dinosaur on the poster. There's a weird looking flower thing on the poster. And there's alfalfa. I'm confused. <laughs> Guys, okay? <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking gonna... forward to this. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect in this uh, one. So. Meet the Robinsons is up on Netflix right now. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it just was like just like Chicken Little was for this mm-hmm. week's. Uh, Meet the Robinsons is up on there. Bolt is not actually Bolt and Princess and the Frog. Neither one of those are uh, up online anywhere right now. You have to buy them on Amazon. But we'll at least Meet the Robinsons yeah. are. So, <laughs> so please, yeah. everybody out there, watch them with yeah. us and then uh, join in the conversation. Yeah. So uh, I just I beat everything you were gonna say, TC. <laughs> That's fine. You have all the goodbye stuff. I wanted to have something to say. <laughs> I can't help it. All right, so I'm I'm surprised we got so much mileage out of Chicken Little today. So thank you know, for the right? comments well, and everything, everybody. <laughs> in, in in all fairness, we were about ninety uh, percent on track with our hundred percent certain content, uh, uh, commitment, and then uh, we basically had a we d- we developed two alternate Earths in the ep- in the course That's of this right. episode. It's been a been a fun uh, adventure this time. So <laughs> it's been a very fun adventure. Well, for signing off from Earth 5, I'm Jeff. and (laughs) I'm TC. So uh, I'll do the sign off here. This was a podcast. We were the pre... 
Oh man, see, I'm all flabbergasted now. Okay, let me try oh, it again. Because <laughs> I threw you off because I signed off from Earth Five. I, I suddenly realized you were on Earth Five, and I wondered what that whole existence was. <laughs> this has been a podcast. We've been the people you're listening to, and this is me putting Atlantis above Chicken Little. We'll see you next week, everybody. Oh, what at the end? I can't believe you're making me change that note again in my document. <laughs> <laughs> That is the latest we've ever changed in a movie, TC. You should be proud. (laughs) This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at (laughs) www.ghosthat.net. I like the ending.